Considering the subject matter of Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk, the hosts recommend using discretion when allowing anyone under the age of 17 to listen. Due to the nature of certain topics, the show may be inappropriate for sensitive listeners. The program revolves around and focuses on the field of paranormal research which often includes sensitive subject matter, graphic material, controversial topics, conspiracies, religion, the occult, and death. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to another episode, episode 22, with paranormal investigator, ghost hunter, author, Rick Hale, and this guy, Stephen Lancaster, also paranormal investigator, ghost hunter, author, and we're not related in any way. What are the the chances? (laughs) (laughs) But guys, welcome to, we're, we're well into season two now, three episodes in, this is episode, episodes. what is this, episode 22, right? Did I say that right? 22. Episode that is 22. correct. Man, and hey. We made it that far. I know. But you know what, I'm sure, I'm, but you know what, I'm sure if we were sitting next to each other, we'd want to strangle each other to death by now. By now? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, guys, we definitely want to give a shout out to our new podcast listeners. Um, Rick, I was going to say this to you before we started the show, but okay. eh, fuck it. I'll say it now. Um, we've had the, the podcast, what, live what, four or five days now? It, About a week, yeah. Not quite a week. week. Not quite a week. Right. Almost a week. And, you know, I, I kind of figured we would have an audience in um, the United States, of course. Sure. Um, right. And, and even the U.K., because a lot of the stories you tell um, revolve around the U.K., so I kind of expected that. But, right. you know, we got to give a shout-out to our listeners in India. They India. are the third highest area um, or well, country, whatever you want to say, um, that's listening to us out of the world. We've got the U.S. first. We've got uh, Great Britain, you know, the U.K. second, and then India right. So a big shout out to our friends over over there. We're we're actually working on a show just for you. So yes, that's, we are. That'll be coming very soon. Yeah, thank you so much. I mean, I it's it's really awesome. Um, I didn't expect it to go right away because you and I we had talked about it that it wasn't going to happen till next month. But um, so okay, I get a message from my aunt Donna the other day on Facebook, and uh, my aunt, she's. Um, She's like the closest thing to a mother that I have. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she says to me, she's like, she's like, oh, I'm so proud of myself. I figured out how to learn to uh, listen, listen to your guys' podcast on, um, on, on Amazon Music. And I, my, my first reaction was, oh my God. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. So, 
you know, all, all I can say is, Aunt Donna, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I can hear it. I'm sorry for all the swear words. I can hear Aunt Donna now. Ricky, who is this character that you're associating with? Aunt Donna, oh, I don't know if you sound like that, and I do apologize. She does not. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I'm like, oh, man, she's going to hear this. Like, I'm going to have to start watching everything I say. And um, so there's absolutely no way in the world I would ask you to watch what you say. So, hey, but, uh, yeah. Hey, yep, you know exactly. what? I, I kind of, I feel you. I feel you, brother, you know, because yeah. the same shit happened with me with my mom. I mean, she's listening mm-hmm. right now. She's listening right now to our podcast. Uh, she does okay. watch the show, and I had no clue she was even watching it until I can't remember what episode it was we posted, and she sent me this message. Me and your father are getting ready to watch your shadow initiative. I'm like, what? You guys watch that? And then I'm like, oh, I was also like, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> oh, man. I'm not a good little Dude, boy. Yeah. <laughs> so much trouble but thank you mr and mrs lancaster for um listening to the show and you guys did an okay job raising steven so (laughs) you tried your best (laughs) no they're great great people they are great people i love them i i I know they are but you know i i do want to say i don't want to throw numbers out there because you know (laughs) our egos are already pretty inflated but one thing i want to say is you know the youtube thing you would think you would think the YouTube thing would be more accessible. You know, yeah. you would you would think it'd be easier to find two poor saps like us doing doing a show about the paranormal, the yeah. stuff we love. But Rick, in less than a week, okay, the podcast uh, last episode, let's say the the, ver- the last episode we put out has much, done yeah. more. That episode has done more than our past three episodes total on YouTube. Okay, yeah, that's fantastic. Yes, um, I mean, I, I, I think, that. you know, it's us taking things for granted that, you know, not everybody has time. And I've seen comments, you know, people don't have time to sit there and watch, but they can do things. They can clean their kitchen. They can drive in their car. All this other stuff while listening to us. So I definitely think this move was good for us, good for our listeners, and for people who right. want to see what we're talking about, they know where they can come. They can go to shadowinitiativetv.com or go, go to YouTube. And and like you, you were saying earlier, um, see, now I'm thinking about my mom. It's like, no, see, I shouldn't have said that. I should, and, and, and your aunt. Oh, God, that woman must be a saint, but and your proceed. Aunt, you know, <laughs> I feel like I, I, I'm like, I, I don't know. Um, Anyways, I'll probably be putting a timeout before the show's over. Probably. Uh, I totally forgot where I was going with this, but um, oh, we were talking about uh, about people listening and well, yeah, people. You know, initially yeah. when I applied to Apple Music and I applied to Spotify and and, and, and all these uh, Amazon, you know, they said mm-hmm. four to six weeks. So that's why I kind of said, "Hey, Rick, you know, it's." going to be october sometime if we get approved you know and uh bam it was like no sooner than than i said that to you it just started popping up everywhere and i think the only one that hasn't approved us yet is pandora so still waiting to hear that Uh, you know what maybe they saw what they maybe you know they they like what they heard and 
you know, like what they saw. And they're like, hey, we're going to get these guys out there right away. But, you know, you were talking to earlier, you were talking a little bit earlier about the convenience of it. Like not everybody can watch us. And I got a really nice message from my um, from my publisher, Mandy Collins over in Scotland. She says that I like watching you guys on YouTube, but I can't do stuff while I'm watching you. Right. And she 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 has a, she has a little girl. She's she's about five or six years old. So, you know, she's kind of a rambunctious little kid. So it's like she's I can't really watch you guys while I'm dealing with her or what I'm like, you know, doing other stuff around the house. And uh, she was like, but now I can listen to you guys and it's so much more convenient. So, yeah, definitely going podcasting was the way to go. Well, you know, what's cool about it, you know, I was a little hesitant because both you and I have done the podcasting thing, mastered the podcasting thing years and years ago. Right. Before it was the cool thing to do. And, um, you know, I thought about it, you know, but I'm really embracing this idea because people can listen to it, say they're driving in their car and they're hearing us talk about a certain piece of video and then they know at any time they can just go and watch it, you know? Right. So that's cool. So, yeah, I mean, we're we're, we're taking over the friggin' world. That's all there is to it. The friggin' world, man. Uh, Welcome to the party, pal. Anyway, (laughs) that was my John McClane. Um. I apologize. So, Rick, uh, before we have yeah. our great guest, Gary Hill, on, who I'm very excited mm-hmm. about. Very excited. Oh, great. He's, he's a great guy. Um, you had sent me a purported, alleged video of Loch Ness less than a half hour ago. I did. So, why don't you tell, tell the folks at home about that before we get into it? Okay. So, this came across my, um, my news feed in Facebook. And it says Loch Ness Monster reportedly captured on drone camera despite um, stream of hoaxes. So I immediately, so I watched the video and I immediately sent it to you. But, you know, a little bit of background on this. So basically what this was, this was captured during an episode of, um, what's it guys, uh, as YouTuber Richard Mavor. He makes videos about his outdoor adventures in the United Kingdom. And he just so happened to be doing an episode at you know, infamous Loch Ness in the Highlands of Scotland. And the video is called the Great Glen Canoe Challenge. And it's, you know, him and and his buddies adventuring down Loch Ness. So as we all know, Loch Ness is the home, well, purported home of the Loch Ness Monster, Nessie. Uh, Some people believe it is a a holdover from, um, from the dinosaur age, a plesiosaur. If anything, it's a cold lake. It might be what is what a, a long neck seal that has you know been extinct since the last ice age. Um, but anyways, while doing this, they capture this shape in the water on drone about the four minute mark, and um, I'm, I'm watching it, and it looks to me like something very large never actually breaks the water, but swims up to shore so steve do you want to show the video so people can see what we're talking about yeah we've got the the video playing on the screen i have uh instantly red flags went up um okay from many perspectives from a film editing standpoint um very very simple to edit okay the, okay. the first issue i had was the fact that the video cuts and goes to him oh, talking. Okay, it goes to him talking on the shore. Look, 
that drone camera just didn't stop recording at that moment. Mm -hmm. Where is that whole piece of footage of that drone camera coming up to that area? And, you know, all we see is this thing kind of fade in, like it's coming mm -hmm. closer to the surface, and then kind of go towards the shore. Okay, and even then, from a physics standpoint, it doesn't seem to be moving with the tide. And there's not a lot of mm -hmm. movement from this shadow to be fighting the tide. That was another right. issue I had. But it's almost up to the shore, and then we cut the video? Why would you do that? You know, why, why wouldn't you show the entire piece to the point it disappeared? You know, show us the entire thing. Okay, no, I, I totally I totally get what you're saying, and I agree with you. But this this show on YouTube, and it's actually very good. I was watching mm -hmm. a little bit of it. I really like what this guy's doing. But this is not a show that's about weird stuff. It's not a show that's about ghosts or monsters right. or UFOs. It's just some cat, you know, doing adventures across the United Kingdom. So that's what kind of made me think that it's like, okay, maybe, you know, it's, it, it's, it's not some crypto nerd. Well, here, here's the thing. Now, from a marketing standpoint, I'm glad you said that. My wife and I watched a movie last night, and I won't get into it, but the whole, the whole point of the movie was this kid trying to go viral. Mm -hmm. And in order to go viral, his buddy, who's already viral, just fakes a bunch of shit. Mm -hmm. Okay, and people buy into it, and he's grown this huge audience, he's making money, blah, blah. So the main kid thinks, well, I need to do the same thing. Okay, mm -hmm. you need to do something to bring in an audience. So it's not about whether or not this show is about cryptozoology or not. It's about garnering a bigger audience. Okay, right. and, and the part that makes me truly believe that this is a hoax is when you read his comments, he says the same thing over and over. I'm not saying it's Loch Ness. Okay, mm -hmm. so he's playing politics. Okay, you're not oh, saying it's yeah. Loch Ness because you know it's not, but you know mm -hmm. that is the exact point that's bringing people to this video. That's the whole reason you watched it. That's the whole reason you sent it to me you know, was because of the potential of a being likeness. So that guy got my hit. He got okay. my video view. You see what I'm saying? I, but, no, I see exactly what you're saying. It's, it, it, it's not like Giorgio Tsoukalos, where he's like, I'm not going to say it's aliens. Right, right. But it's aliens. Right, exactly. So <laughs> hair like all over the place. I think this guy, if it was truly likeness, for instance, he would have shown the entire drone footage and as a separate video, like, here's the drone coming up to it. Here's when you see the thing coming to the surface, goes to the shore. Here's when it fades away. He would show it from beginning to end, but he didn't do that. And I even went through the rest of the video to see if he revisits, his, you know, to show more of the footage, but he doesn't. So yeah. I have huge red flags to that. The other red flag, because you asked me to, to, to kind of stick it in my software and do a little bit of editing, which I did. This was shot with a very high-definition 4K uh, uh, drone, okay? Yeah. So when you're shooting something in 4K and you cut the video, you're still crystal clear, okay? When you're mm -hmm. cropping and cutting, it's still crystal clear. This is not. When you crop it down to where the, the thing in question is, it is pixelated to hell and back. Which leads okay. me to yeah. believe something, I did notice that. something was layered there. And they did a, okay. a fade-in effect. Something was layered there that wasn't shot in 4K. 
that's the long story short. Okay. Well, see, and, and that's why I sent it to you. Because you have the ability and you have the resources and the talent to take a deeper look into stuff like this. Like, I'm watching it, and I would watch this if I was just, you know, some everyday average dude off the street watching. Like, oh, my God, it shows Nessie. But even I myself, I was like, okay. I got a few reservations that this could possibly be. And one of the things that you brought up was the pixelation. Mm-hmm. Even I know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not – I'm a pho- photography enthusiast. I like taking pictures, but I'm not a photographer, um, unlike yourself. And, um, you, you know, and I have to understand little things like pixels. So it's like I'm looking at this. I'm like, this is really pixelated and looks a little – It's it's kind of sketchy. That's where these amateurs Which go wrong. Which is why wrong. I brought you in on it. That's where these amateurs go mm-hmm. wrong. If he was smart, he knew his video was shot in 4K. So whatever you're superimposing should have been shot in 4K, and you wouldn't have had that pixelating. So to me, that proves there's a layer there. And it, this also goes back to what you and I have discussed before. These people that will believe anything. Because for every comment calling it out as a hoax, there were just as many oh my God, you finally did it. You're the first person ever to, to get the best footage of, of Nessie. You know, so these people are mm-hmm. instantly buying it, not questioning it at right. all, you know? Right. You know, and, and personally, it, it's like, I think that people who are believe too easily are just as bad as those that believe nothing at all. Like, you gotta, you, you gotta come somewhere in the middle. You gotta have that balance you know, I think it was Charles Ford who, Ford who said, you know, keep an open mind, but not so open that your brain falls out. You know, and like Charles Ford, who is the who's the master of early phenomenon, you know, he, he knew. It's like there's going to be people that are going to see stuff like this and be like, oh, yeah, totally. I believe that. And then there's going to be people who are like, ah, that's bullshit, man. Mm-hmm. So you got to have that balance. you got to come there in the middle, you know. Okay, Rick. Well, with that being said, let's take a quick break. We're getting ready to bring Mr. Gary Hill on. It's going to be a great time, great interview, great stories. I can feel it. It's just all going to be great. It's going to be a good show. We're making the paranormal great again. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't even realize what that tied to until I, it came out. <laughs> until it came out. But we literally are That's trying okay. to make right. it better. I mean, we're trying to make it better. We are. We are trying to make it better, yes. So, guys, we will be right back with Mr. Gary Hill. So stick around. Hey, my friends. Catch up on Shadow Initiative Paranormal TV at our official website, shadowinitiativetv.com. Watch the show, learn more about the hosts, and read our paranormal blog, shadowinitiativetv.com. You can also find us and subscribe on YouTube at youtube.com slash label13videos. Interact and like us at Facebook at facebook.com slash shadowinitiativeparanormaltv where you can find endless videos, full episodes, paranormal talk, and so much more. And welcome back to episode 22 of the Shadow Initiative Paranormal TV and Talk. Now that we're on podcast, we are your hosts. I, I am your host, Rick Hale. He is Stephen Lancaster. We are both paranormal researchers, paranormal investigators, and paranormal authors. So, hey, we got a great show today. 
Speaking of great show. Speaking of great show. Hey, Gary. Hey, how you doing? Uh, we are well. There he is. There's All the right. man. Sorry, this is, uh, this is literally the second time I've used Skype, so. <laughs> oh, no problem. So he is the probably one of the most prolific authors in the area of science fiction, uh, the paranormal, um, weird fiction. He is the owner and operator and writer for Music Street Journal, as well as Tales of Wonder Publishing and Spooky Ventures on YouTube. Gary Hill. Gary, welcome to the initiative. Hey, thank you, guys. Hey, glad to have you, buddy. Glad to be here. Glad to have you. So you've had me on your show a couple times, so be ready for the grilling. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm ready. All right, awesome. First off, how are the bears doing today? Oh, do not ask. Okay, forget <laughs> that. <laughs> it's got sacked nine times. Come on. Oh, God, we... we we put up with so much in this state and in this city when it comes to our sports teams. That was a hard one to watch. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. So, Gary, so like, like I said, welcome so much to the Shadow Initiative. Uh, you're very much welcome. So, you know, let's get started. You know, one of the things that I find that's really interesting about you, that apart from all of the books that you put out on um, the paranormal as well as horror and science fiction, you also run uh, Music Street Journal, which yep. uh, you, can you tell us a little bit about that and our listeners about Music Street Journal? Well, I started Music Street Journal in 1998, and it was literally when I started it was nothing but uh, I had a list of subscribers, like 20-some subscribers, mm -hmm. um, and it was a Microsoft Word document that I emailed to them. Um, and then it became a website after that. At one point, I know... I, I no longer have access to see the stats for what our uh, visitors are. But at one point in the early 2000s, we were running over a million visitors, unique visitors a month, which wow. was kind of insane. And so we, you know, we interview all kinds of artists and uh, do reviews. Uh, we did concert reviews, but there's not a lot of that going on anymore right, right now anyway. But, um, and uh, it's, it's been pretty, it's been a lot of fun. And then in, what uh, 2018 was the 20th anniversary, and I, in in or, honor of that, I decided to take all the old articles and release them as books. And when I got doing that, I realized, you know what I can do is I can actually just put a book out of each issue at the same time as it goes up on the website. So I've been doing that since 2018 too. So it's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. You know, what are what are some of the more um, what are some of the most memorable. Um um musicians and uh, and and albums that you've interviewed because you know Steve, Steven and I we're both huge music fans. Uh well I uh for interviews um well this one wasn't for Music Street Journal but I interviewed Tommy James which was cool. Um mm -hmm. but for Music Street Journal some of the guys from Blue Oyster called um uh, just about everybody in Yes. Uh, oh nice. And um uh, oh, um, OTAP I've interviewed. I don't know if you'd like that kind of stuff, but uh, she's cool. Oh, uh, the guitar player from uh, Godsmack. I got to interview him backstage at OzFest one year, which was fun. And uh, I don't know, there have been so many over the years, but I think that I, one OzFest was like a 
the most memorable thing, OzFest 2004. Uh, one of my friends runs Wormwood Chronicles, which I also write for that, and he writes for Music Street Journal. And so we had arranged, each of us got two passes for OzFest, and so we were covering as many bands as we could as we had four people there doing it. And we were backstage, and it was it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of work, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. So, you know, um, getting away from away from the music, because, of course, you know, this is, you know, a, a paranormal, macabre, horror kind of uh, show that we have going on here. Um, so one of the one of the things that I, I love about the one of the things that you released was the strange sounds of Cthulhu music inspired by the writings of H.P. Lovecraft. Yes, um, yeah, H.P. Lovecraft, uh, I, I'm a huge fan. Uh, Steve? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what, what is it with uh, music inspired by the writings of H.P. Lovecraft? How are they inspired by his writings? Well, um, a lot of it is directly inspired by it. Um, and what was funny, I, got, I decided after doing Music Street Journal for a while, I thought, well, you know what? I should try to do a book. And the funny thing was, the first thing I thought of was, well, I should do a book on Yes, because they're my favorite band. But then I realized there's so many books about Yes out there that it seemed kind of stupid. It's like, what am I going to bring to this that hasn't already been done? So I started thinking, what could I do that would be unique? And I looked around, and there was so much music that was based on H.P. Lovecraft's work. And I thought, well, I love music, I love interviewing musicians, and I love Lovecraft's stuff. So... I decided to do that, and um, it was kind of an interesting process because in researching it, which took, I don't know, two, three years, I think, of research, um, I wound up connecting with a lot of bands, and the interesting thing I found out was all of them, as Lovecraft fans, it was almost like a tribe, and everyone was very excited about the project, and everybody was very enthusiastic about doing something with it. Um, I mean, I got to... um, I got to email with uh, uh, Odorous from Guar constantly. He was, and he was That's such awesome. a cool guy. He was just such a nice guy. He was so into the <clears> project, <throat> and we got to be kind of email friends after that. And you know, everybody I connected with was just really cool about it. And um, so it was, it was an interesting project. And the thing is, I'm actually doing a uh, 20th anniversary revised and expanded edition. <laughs> So I've started work on that, and that's going to come out in 2026. So, okay, yeah, you know, it's you you tell people that you know, I'm, I'm I'm a fan of the work of H.P. Lovecraft, and they're like, you know, H.P. Lovecraft, I've never heard of that, and it's like this is his his work was so utterly unique, especially mm. for that time. So I imagine that this music would be unique as well. Um. Some of it. I mean, you've got you got all kinds of different stuff. I mean, it was when I when I actually started getting into it, it was kind of surprising the range of music that was there, and there was so much more that I didn't realize. Now, there, the first time around, there are two chapters on heavy metal because there's just so much heavy metal there. Um, there's a chapter on punk. There's a chapter on progressive rock. There are uh, chapters on certain bands like um, Darkest of the Hillside Thickets. If you haven't heard of them, you should check them out. They're a cool band. They're out of Canada and almost all their stuff is Lovecraft inspired and okay. it's just a lot of fun. Um, Knox Arcana, which is another artist. They only did one album that was Lovecraftian, but he's, his stuff is, uh, it's, it's basically one guy. He's got another guy with him, but it's essentially, he writes everything and does the cover art. In fact, he did the cover art for the book. 
but um, he's uh, his stuff is in Halloween stores a lot of the time um, because it's just oh. spooky gothic kind of music. So there's not such a wide range of music there, um, and some of it's kind of mainstream, some of it not. Mm-hmm. You look at Metallica even had a couple songs, which were you know I think it was strictly Cliff Burton. Uh, written, you know, it was Cliff Burton's influence, which is why I could never get a hold of them to ask about it because he was gone. But um, yeah. Blue Oyster Cult's last album last year had uh, The Alchemist, which is based on the Lovecraft story, and they had a couple of other Lovecraftian ones from before. So, you know, you get some pretty mainstream stuff too. Well, I think I think the one from uh, Metallica was on the Master of Puppets. No, album, correct, wasn't it? No, the well, thing that shouldn't depends. that be? Yes. He also had yeah, the Call of Cthulhu. Call of Cthulhu, which was oh, the, right. the bass, the bass or the instrumental piece. Yeah, yeah, there were the two of them. Mm. So, going into your your paranormal work, which is, um, you have so much out there <laughs> that it's <laughs> that it's almost impossible to to get through all of it here. But you've done a lot of stuff with your um, uh, Tales of Wonder and Dread. You know, books like, uh, I'm just looking at it right here, Rockford, <laughs> Illinois Cemetery, Spooky Rockford, Spooky Rockford 2, Spooky Berwyn, um, and, you know, of course, with uh, Spooky Venture. So now, in a message, you told me that you're a skeptic. Is that correct? I am, I am yes. Okay. Um, but I'm, I'm interested to see stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, I, you know, it's funny when I went... When I launched Tales of Wonder and Dread, I, uh, one of the local TV stations wanted to do an interview, and they wanted to know a good location. So we went to one of the cemeteries in the first Spooky Rockford, which has all these stories of haunting. And one, one of the things I told him when we were standing there, I was like, you know what? It doesn't matter if you believe this stuff is true or not. The stories are just fun anyway. You know, it's fun whether you believe it or not. But I would love to actually see something that convinces me. My wife says, though, that if a uh, ghost were to come up right in front of me, I'd be coming up with every reasonable explanation for something else it was. Because we've had some things that have happened, and I've been like, okay, I don't have an explanation for this, but I'm not going to jump to ghost. <laughs> you know? Sure. Well, um, you know, skeptic's one of those words that gets thrown around quite a bit. Um, what exactly does being a skeptic mean to you? It means that I always figure there's some scientific explanation, even sure. if I can't come up with what it is. I think maybe I'm not measuring what I need to measure. I'm not seeing what I need to see to figure it out. Honestly, I think for me, uh, I think the one theory that probably best would explain every bit of paranormal stuff is the whole alternate reality thing that quantum physics has come up with. If you've got alternate reality sort of peeking in and, and sort of being seen by our reality, they could be interpreted as all kinds of things. And that would explain pretty much everything, you know? Right. Um, so I think that's actually a really good scientific possibility. But um, again, I've seen things that I don't know that I could really come up with an explanation. One of them, when I was doing the cemeteries, um, cause those cemetery books are literally because I just love cemeteries. I think they're beautiful. I think their history, their art, their, um, they're just, there's something really, I don't know. I feel very comfortable in cemeteries. And mm-hmm. so I want to do, uh, one, you know, books capturing the cemeteries. And then I thought, well, I'm doing spooky ventures anyway. I should do some video in these cemeteries. Right. So I start doing video and I'm recording video, just walking around with the video cameras. I'm shooting pictures 
And I get home and I'm sort of editing the video to put together. And my wife's sitting next to me and we're playing this video and I'm just panning over uh, one of the little in-ground stones, right? And mm -hmm. you can hear a woman inhale and then exhale. And there was no woman standing by me. And I sort of stopped and went, what on earth is that? My wife's sitting next to me. She said, she looks over because she heard it too. We played it back like four times. Like, what in the world is that? So, right. I mean, you know, there are things that I catch sometimes or see, but I can't really explain them. When we went to Tinker Swiss Cottage. Um, Which is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just going to, I've been there twice. Okay. I love that house. It is oh, it's it's beautiful. gorgeous. And the uh, the atmosphere, it's, it's very atmospheric. But yes. go ahead. But we were when I was doing. Uh, I wanted to shoot pictures for Spooky Rockford too, and Samantha Hackman, who is the executive director, arranged for us to come there and take pictures. So it was just the three of us going through the place, and I brought my video camera for there, right? So mm -hmm. I gave the video camera to my wife to take video while we were doing it. She turns it on, it shuts right off. Turns it on, shuts right off. Turns it on, shuts right off. So I had her hand it to me. I look at it. I turn it on, shuts right off. I was like, I don't know what's wrong with this thing. So we just decided not to do any video, and we just went mm -hmm. with the, the still pictures. We get out in the car. I turn it on. It turns on just fine. <laughs> but it would not record in that house. I think we have all had that. Can, can you give us a – you know, um, Tinker Swiss is, is such a gorgeous house. Can you give us a little bit of history on that so people understand why this place is allegedly so haunted? Um, well, I guess just the family that lived there were so tied to it, I think, is the main thing. Um, but it was it was built as a, a special home for uh, one of the founding families in Rockford. And mm -hmm. it was there was so much care put into how they built that house. And I mean, like that staircase, I, that spiral staircase, as I recall, is all carved out of one piece of wood, which is amazing if you think about it. I mean, they spent years building that house. Mm -hmm. And um also, I remember uh, Samantha told us that one of the things they've noticed is when if there are trains going by, um, it, the house gets a different feel to it because Robert Tinker, who lived there, actually got his leg run over by the train once. Yeah, he was and, an amputee. Yeah, he survived it, but um, I guess he was not not very crazy about having trains around, which who can blame him, really? Um, and so they, she said that the fla the whole feel of the house changes when a train goes by. But yeah. it's um yeah, it's a pretty amazing house anyway. It's funny because I in probably the 90s, I toured that house several times because I just loved the house. And, um, right. you know, then it's like I found out about the haunted side of it later and that made me more interested. But uh, it's it's a cool place. It really is. I think everybody should go there if they can. Hey Gary, I just want to interrupt you for one minute. Yeah. You 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 have like this weird glare uh, uh, that's yes. covering yeah. your face. I I was watching it as you guys were talking, and he hasn't really moved. It's a stagnant. Yeah, you know what I think? Okay, I've got a I've got a curtain over here in front of a patio door, and what it's done is the sun has moved. <laughs> that's what it you is. Were you were like looking like Rob Zombie for Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, holy hell, he's getting beamed up any minute now. <laughs> hey, now, I yeah. can go for that. Yeah. <laughs> so when the, um, I've been there twice. And mm -hmm. uh, the, 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 first, the first time that I was there, we actually showed this picture on, on the show. 
And I was there with uh, Jack Chavez and Tony Zabelski. I believe it was at the time it was a Chicago Hauntings thing. And um, there is a, the picture that I took. It's of the parlor and it's of the windows. I, I don't know, Steve, if you can like find this maybe. Oh, I still got it. You still got it? Yep. So, okay, in, in the background by this window, you can see what looks like a man standing there like a shadow like an outline or whatever of a man and so there was there was no reflection there was nobody that was that would have gotten in the way that would have put that reflection outside this window because it looks like it's outside the window so later on i'm talking to tony and i'm like hey tony is there anything outside that window where a person can stand and he's like no it's like 10 15 however many feet up uh, off the ground and I'll have to send it send it to you, or I don't know, if Steve, if you can put it up real quick. But anybody who sees this picture says that is clearly a man standing there. You can even see like the brim of a hat, mm-hmm. the oh, kind really? of hat that, yeah, the kind of hat that would have been common in the late eighteenth, or rather late nineteenth, early twentieth centuries. And it's a really cool photo. It's probably one of the best photographs I've ever taken in my 30 years of investigating uh, claims of ghosts and hauntings. Yeah, I would love to see that one. That would be cool. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, and, and the second time around that I was there, I, I didn't know that first time that, um, that the gentleman who built it, who owned it, was an amputee. Um, second time I went was with my buddy, Mike Kravchek. And so I decided to use that. I'm an amputee as well. And I was really hoping I'm like, all right, maybe I'm going to get this guy's, you know, that, that, that camaraderie there, a couple of <laughs> legless dudes, you know, and, uh, just nothing. So, but, but that, that one picture, that one picture was amazing. Wow. Yeah. I definitely want to see that. Yeah. I will find that and I will, I will send that to you as soon as we are off air. And there's there's another um, famously haunted place place in uh, Rockford, and that's the Coronado Theater. You've been there, correct? Oh yeah, I've actually got a pretty cool story about that place. Do to tell. Um, and this is documented in a couple of my books. Um, the first time, I don't think I mentioned that it was me. I think I just said someone had done this. Um, but it was actually me. I had a couple friends who were brothers who were managing the Coronado at one time. Mm-hmm. And they told me all kinds of stories about things that they had seen in that place when they were behind, were there alone, right? And so a bunch of us were sitting around one day and we talked the one brother into taking us down there. So we went down there and we all went in in the dark and went into the uh balcony and we're just sitting there in the balcony in the dark waiting for something to happen the funny thing was all of a sudden we hear and probably and when i say all of a sudden it was probably 10 minutes we're sitting there nothing happening we hear the door lock on the outside open right Mm -hmm. and we hear two sets of footprints footsteps one was a male set of footsteps and the other was a woman in high heels absolutely Mm -hmm. no question about it and my friend's like you know what, we can be here, but I don't really want to deal with the police, so let's just go. He's like, I don't want to have to deal with the hassle of telling them why we're here and everything. And so Mm -hmm. we go take off, 
When we got to the door, it was still locked. We didn't realize that. We let, unlocked it to get back out. So nobody had unlocked that door. There was nobody in there. And even if there had been anybody in there, they would have had flashlights to look around. Nobody but us sure. idiots would go in there without flashlights, you know. So yeah. it was kind of an odd story. And it, it was it was an odd experience. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Now, the only thing I thought of now, I'm always looking for the explanation. The only thing I thought of, there were apartments overhead then and above. And I don't know if someone maybe, if it could have been a sound from one of the apartments filtering in. But I, I don't know. But that was the only explanation I could come up with. But I also thought, you know, if someone if someone wanted you to leave, um, making a ghostly appearance for a bunch of people looking for ghosts is probably not the way to get you to leave. The way to get you to leave right. is to think there are people coming in who you don't want in there. So I don't know. Yeah, you know, I, I really I find that um, I'm, I'm sort of the same way. When I do an investigation, I, I want absolutely um, no contamination whatsoever yeah. in, in an area it's like you don't you don't want a bunch of people there uh, mucking stuff up and you know giving you really bad evidence but um yeah i mean I, I think that there there are things like that 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 you could easily um say you know maybe it's not paranormal it could be just somebody walking around in the apartments upstairs happens all the time right so with your with with your other books uh to actually you know what why don't we take a break? And uh, when we come when we come back, we're going to touch on your books, and um, because they're really interesting. So, uh, you know, Stephen, you want to want to take a break? Yeah, guys, hang out. We're talking with Gary Hill. We will be right back. Do you enjoy reading about the paranormal? Check out the highly rated literary works from us, the hosts of Shadow Initiative TV. Paranormal investigator Rick Hale offers you the Geek's Guide to the Strange and Unusual, Poltergeists, Ghosts, and Demons, Bullets, Booze, and Babes, The Haunted History of Chicago and Illinois, and behold, shocking true tales of terror, and some other spooky stuff. But if you're thirsty for more, I bring you true case files of a paranormal investigator and dark spirits, a man terrorized by the supernatural. But if you want to go even further, dive deep into the dark reality of haunted dolls. Check out my paranormal bestsellers, Norman, the doll that needed to be locked away, and Norman 2, the true story of a possessed doll's revenge, available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever fine books are sold but i'm really digging your your music thing i'm really big into music and we we have um different segments we do on our show like you know rick does ghost watch and i do a segment called haunted salvage and i obviously i'm surrounded by a bunch of stuff i collect and you know talk oh. about it but we're, we're about to introduce a segment called and this will be right up your alley um it's called paranormal amped and okay. it's where we bring on for five minutes, ten minutes, however long we can get them, um, uh, musicians, famous musicians that tell a story of when they thought they experienced something paranormal. Oh, and cool. we, yeah, we've already got um, William Duvall, uh, the, the lead singer of Alice in Chains, lined up. We've got um, Brittany from Vixen. She's going to come on. 
And, oh, cool. uh, so that's going to be neat, you know, hearing musicians who's who have a ghost story, you know. Right, right. So pretty, pretty excited about that. It's a nice connection, yeah. Yeah, I love it because love I'm it. so into music. I, I love the fact that you mentioned uh, yes, and I mean I love oh, Steve Howe. That uh, yeah. I, oh yeah. Just love it. Love that. I love that progressive style of music. Oh yeah, that's my that's my favorite. Metal's my second favorite. So. Yeah, I've been getting. I actually started a. A YouTube show this past summer called Old School versus New School, where I ask the younger generation to turn me on to new music. And, you know, I'm looking for the symphonic metal and the progressive metal and stuff like that. And I'm telling you, there's some great stuff out there. Oh, there is. It's just sort of underground. Mm -hmm. You don't really hear about it because it doesn't get on the radio, but there's some great stuff. Yeah, they've turned me on to a band called Arion. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Nightwish. I mean, oh, yeah, no, fantastic they're, they're stuff. Great bands, yeah. Fantastic. Absolutely. You know what? You and I need to hook up because I'll send you some bands, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Any Anything to keep me away from Rick. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rick, we're back. We've just been talking music. Now that you're back, we can go back to, you know. <laughs> All right. And, uh... <laughs> Welcome back to episode 22 of the Shadow Initiative, uh, Paranormal TV and Talk with us, Stephen and Rick. And uh, we have uh, Gary Hill on today. He's author. Um, so, Gary, thank you so much for sticking around for another segment. Sure, absolutely. This is fun. <laughs> Great. So, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit more about your um tales of wonder and dread you're you're putting out a lot of books right now and these are a lot of compilation books uh spooky houses um tell us a little bit about spooky houses because i'm actually in this book i have two stories you which yes is, you are thank you uh, spooky houses is uh literally a book with stories about spooky housing some of them are fiction some of them are non-fiction yours are non-fiction i think i've got a couple nonfiction ones in there. My wife, Diane has a couple nonfiction ones in there. Um, and there's actually some poetry, some classic, uh, stories like old, uh, public domain stuff and mm -hmm. a lot of newer stuff. Um, the thing with tales and wonder and tales of wonder and dread several years ago, there's 2017, maybe I, um, did a book called dark dreams and weird worlds, which was, I realized I had a lot of author friends around Mm -hmm. And I thought, what if we all gathered up some stories, some science fiction and horror stories, and just put them out as a compilation thing? And I really enjoyed doing that. And then I got thinking, you know, I could do a publishing imprint and do this kind of stuff. And for me, my favorite kinds of fiction are science fiction and horror. So it was just obvious that you get the Tales of Wonder, which is the science fiction, and Dread, which is the horror. And then I started doing the cemetery books, too, just because I like cemeteries. And they're sort of People think of them as spooky or macabre, and yeah. so that angle kind of fits. Um, but yeah, it was it's it's just uh, sort of something I really love is uh, and have a passion for that stuff. Um, and you know, I love doing these compilation books. Um, and it's funny because one of the guys I I did I know you know because we did one I do these uh, chats for the books I just started doing them with the yes. various people in them. And one of the guys I was doing it with, uh, Del Merritt, who is also in my uh, Lovecraftian anthology that I did, he said that he really appreciates having someone doing these kinds of things for people to get in on. And I never really thought of it that way, that it's like for some of these authors, it's their first chance to get something published. 
Sure. And I'm kind of really proud and happy that I can do that for people too now. Kind of gives me another angle for liking doing it. Um, and the funny thing is when I read a lot of the stuff that people send in to me, it's all really good. I mean, you know, these people should be published. This stuff's good. Yeah. Um, you know, and some of the stories are just plain incredible too. I mean, I've had some really, really good ones. So, um, you know, I'm just glad to get to do it. Well, that's the thing. You know, I, I don't think that a lot of people really understand how difficult it is to get things published. Um, yeah, unless you've done it. Yeah, my my first book, um, I think I probably got about 15 or 20 rejection letters. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, that, that was like the, the first version, the, 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 an early version of my first book. And then, you know, I finally got it published through uh, Ghost Night Publishing, and um, now I'm, I'm through uh, Bayou Labris. But it's like, it's really difficult to get anything out there. And like you said, a lot of this stuff is really, really good. Uh-huh. Yeah, and, and you know, talking about that with, um, with my Strange Sound book, that one I shopped around to a few publishers and I shopped it around to literary publishers because it had the literature side of it. And I shopped mm-hmm. it around to music publishers. The funny thing was all the music publishers came back and said there was too much literature in it. All the literature ones came back and said there was too much <laughs> music in it. So it didn't fit with any of their, their models. And I remember thinking at one point, well, I could just skip this and not publish it at all. Cause I don't have a publisher. And then I realized there were all these people, like I said, this tribe of people that I'd been contacting who were really excited about this book coming out. And I thought, you know what? I'll just publish it myself. And that was how I got started doing self-publishing. And the funny thing with that was a few years later, a gentleman in Germany approached me with doing a German language edition. And he mm-hmm. found a publisher for it. He did the translations. And it made me realize that I'd much prefer doing the self-publishing because I have control of everything. Yeah. And I think I'm a little bit of a control freak when it comes to that stuff. I can pick when it comes out. I can pick if it stays in print. And um, so I don't think I'd ever go to traditional publishing from this point. Mm-hmm. But um, I just tend to prefer to be the one in the driver's seat on it. No, I know. I, I, I know a lot of people who are who are self who are self-published. I, I tried to do it with my second book. And thankfully, you know, Bayou Lathris. And I'm, I, I know that I'm mispronouncing it. But um, they, it's. I was really fortunate that Mandy Collins was like, you know, I really like what I'm seeing here. We're going to bring you on board. But you know, with Spooky Houses, you know what I really love about this is, like you said, you mix um, fiction with nonfiction. A lot of times with these compilation and edited books, you find all just fiction or all nonfiction. So you put the two together. Tell us some. You know, tell um, tell our viewers and our listeners what what they can expect in a book like Spooky Houses. What, well, what will they find? Well, in that one in particular, they're going to find, like I said, poetry. You've got some. Um, you've also got some classic stories from uh, Edgar Allan Poe, H.P. Lovecraft, um, mm-hmm. and then you've got um, some really interesting fiction there. Um, the funny thing is, there's a little, there's a weird little bit in there which was unintentional was I had a story that was based on Christmas, and I also had a story based uh, on New Year's, which was the New Year's one is nonfiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and the uh, one of my one of the other contributors, Del Merritt, actually came up with a story that's based on Halloween. So I thought, well, we've got three different holidays covered here. This is kind of, and actually my, 
my one that's a Christmas one actually has Thanksgiving in it too. So we've actually got four holidays covered, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, but then, you know, we've got some interesting nonfiction at the end. Um, some of which are personal stories. The one is the one that's on new year's is one that I actually experienced, um, personally. And so I don't know, you just, you get a nice, uh, collection of things that give you different ideas interestingly enough that book too one of some of the um some of the stuff is kind of interesting in some of the public domain stuff there's a story in there called the yellow wallpaper which okay. is actually um i'm sure a lot of people are going to oh you're all woke and stuff but uh, it's actually considered to be one of the first feminist stories ever written and it okay. is if you read it from that angle it is about the way women were treated at the time and um, also about mental illness, but it's just a creepy story. So it's like sometimes the, a lot of these stories have some other angles to them that bring in, you know, if you really think about it, there's a certain richness and a certain depth to some of them too. So I sure. think that's kind of interesting. You, you brought up Thanksgiving. Um, you, you really don't hear too many ghost stories involved with Thanksgiving. So what's no. the story there? Well, oh, no, that uh, that one is just that story that I was telling you about. That's a fiction story called Secret Santa. And the reason Thanksgiving's in there is that um, this girl is living. Have you got spooky story houses yet? Have you read it? I have. I have not. No, that story. Um, this girl is living in this house and um, she around Thanksgiving, just before Thanksgiving, she gets a gift at her front door. Mm -hmm. And it's all wrapped in Christmas paper and she opens it up and it's a nice Christmas Christmas wreath and she puts it up on her thing. So that's the only reference to Thanksgiving that there's like Thanksgiving is right in the middle of the beginning of the story. But it's actually all about Christmas presents and things like that because she keeps getting more of these gifts um, mm -hmm. and she doesn't know who's sending them. At first, she's just like really interested because she loves mysteries and she thinks one of her friends is just sending her something because they know she loves mysteries and she won't look at her uh, security camera footage because she doesn't want to spoil the mystery. But then when she actually does look at the security camera footage, it gets <laughs> really, really weirded out. Um, Don't I'll, give I'll anything give away because they're going to want to read it. No, I'm not going to give, give it all away, but it does get really strange. And, and the fact that she finds that uh, the paint and paper is all really old like from the fifties and stuff. So mm -hmm. yeah. And the packaging and yeah. <laughs> nice. So I, I know that you're work, you're currently working on one about vampires. Um, oh, that was that, that one's not, well, yes, I'm working on some stories for it, but that book's, I think April is what I'm looking at. Maybe I think was the release date life of lifeblood part two, but it's also part of, I love vampire stories. Absolutely I do love too. Vampire stories. And, um, so I've been over the years, one of the very first stories I ever wrote uh, is about a it's like a noir detective story where the, the de de detective is actually a vampire. Mm -hmm. um, and that sort of started me on a series of writing all these vampire stories. And I've got my own little vampire world, my vampire universe, where things are a little different than in typical vampire stories, there are some things that aren't, aren't quite the same. Vampires can be seen in mirrors mm -hmm. um, and they can actually go out in the sunlight. They just get weakened by it and things like that. And so I've been gradually writing all these stories that sort of fit into that world. And at some point, I'm hoping in about a year and a half, 
I'm going to actually put them all together in one book and kind of put everything that puts them together and make it into one book, but it's this collection of these short stories. But yeah, um, Lifeblood, the first Lifeblood came out in 2018 and has a lot of vampire stories. And then the second one, I think it's coming out, it's coming out next year. I just don't remember what month I have it set for, but, um, and that'll be Lifeblood 2, and it's got a, a bunch more vampire stories. So, um, Yeah, I mean, I, I love vampires. I think that, that you know, a, apart from ghosts, vampires, uh, vamp, vampirology, vampiric folklore, definitely my favorite. What, you know, with, with you creating this, uh, these rich stories about vampires, what are your thoughts on vampires? Okay, here's one that I've literally never told anybody about. Um, I have a little a little question in my head about vampires. I mean, honestly, if there were vampires and they're like they are in the in the old legends, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be sustainable because they're going to run out of people. There yeah. just isn't enough blood for them. Um, but from from a point of view, when I was oh I don't know 15 years old maybe, I had a friend. And he worked at this gas station down at the corner from our house. And I used to just go there, like, his last hour of work a lot of times and just show up and hang out, right? And mm-hmm. so we're standing outside the gas station, and there was an alley across the street. And the end of the alley was lit up, but, but inside the alley was dark. And we saw a bat fly into the alley. And right from the shadow where it, came, where it would have landed, this guy walks out, looks straight across at us, turns around, walks back into the alley, and the bat flew back out, which was enough to kind of freak me out at the time. And I've always kind of been fascinated oh. by that ever since, too. Right. right. Hey, yeah, Rick, I, mean, I, I, bet yes. Gary, I bet Gary don't know, he don't know no Lake Empire. Oh, yeah, the Lake Empire. The Lake Empire, yeah. What's that? You, you, you want to tell him about the Lake Please, this... This one's all you, Stephen. <laughs> I, I, it's it's the product of people on meth. I think I, I'm not sure. We we did this story we covered. I can't even remember where it was at. It was somewhere in the UK, and this couple. Um, not to make fun of people, but just picture yeah. a, a couple of hobbits, okay? And <laughs> they uh, they claimed to have a picture of a vampire panther werewolf. They they claimed this was on video picture. You know, it, it, a, hybrid. It, it, a hybrid. Yeah, it stalked their vehicle. It, it was insane. I mean, and we came up. Well, Rick came up with the like empire. I so like it. We're considering getting that trademarked. <laughs> yeah, and 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 the, the the picture is extraordinary in the sense that it shows absolutely nothing. It it looks like a beer can on the side of the road is reflecting. That's that's what it looks like. Yeah. It's it's just like it's like it's like a smudge. And their sketch, their drawing, I mean, it it looks like a two year old did it while drunk. You know, <laughs> I mean, funny. it is horrid. <laughs> I'd love to yeah. see that. I got I've got to go look for that later. <laughs> oh my god, it was amazing. You know, and 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 we come across that kind of thing as as investigators. Um, you know, it's it's so difficult to like see somebody's picture, somebody's video, or hear somebody's um, <laughs> audio recording, and it's like, dude, there is absolutely nothing there. Yeah, and people will get all over your ass oh, if yeah. you 
if you dare to disagree with them in anything oh, with no. their investigation. Have you come across anything like that where you see like a picture and you're like, come on? I don't, you know, I've learned because I've watched the threads on social media. You just don't argue with these people. You no. just let it go because you, you're not going to win. <laughs> the stupidest going to win out. And it's like some of these people I've not, I mean, I think some in some cases they're trying to get attention for themselves by making mm -hmm. something out of nothing. And in other cases, I think they actually think they see it. I don't know. Yeah. You know, um, too. I think there's both. It, you know, we watch that Ozzy Osbourne show a lot. And it's like a lot of times I look and go, OK, what they're seeing on there, that looks really easily faked. Wait, <laughs> Ozzy Osbourne show? Yeah, the Osbourne, mm -hmm. Osbourne's We Want to Believe or whatever. Are they doing paranormal investigation now, too? Sort of. What they're doing... Well, Jack's got his show doing paranormal investigation. Oh, but yeah. Then they do another show, show where they bring up clips, and they've got Ozzy and Sharon there, and Jack's there, and then they rate the clips that people uh -huh. have sent in as to whether they're believable or not. The funny thing is Ozzy's always either, well, it's a, it's a double exposure or it's... Um, or it's a uh, ball lightning. Those are his two things. He always says everything. It's... Or it's or the a bills. Fire. <laughs> yeah. It's a lichen it's fire. Actually, it's a pretty entertaining show, actually. <laughs> but yeah, some of those I look at it and I go, wait, that's fake. And then, you know, because I, I like, like we were talking on, uh, we were talking at one point, and it's like, I like the shows that are like show real video or talk to people about their personal stories. I like those shows. I don't like the ghost hunter shows because yeah. they seem too fake to me. Um, but mm -hmm. there was one that paranormal on video or whatever it's called. I watched a couple weeks ago and there was one video that I saw that unless this lady faked it, that was some pretty compelling evidence. Mm -hmm. um, there was like, I guess she was alone in her house and um, she heard some noises downstairs. So she went downstairs to look and she didn't capture anything then, but you could hear all these sounds downstairs. So she ran up and closed her doors. She had two doors to her bedroom and sat there. And you could hear someone shaking the doors, both doors at once. And then all of a sudden, they both just opened. And then a little while oh. later, they both just closed. And I was like, unless they faked that, that was some pretty compelling evidence. It yeah. could have been faked, but I didn't see anybody in the shadows or anything. So it was. I like I like shows like that. I like to see that stuff. And sometimes I completely just go, no, that's ridiculous. And other times it's like, oh, well, there was one on, on the Osborns one where they showed a hospital in Thailand where mm -hmm. a wheelchair moved on its own. And at first I was like, okay, it moved on its own. Yeah, right. That could have been the wind. But then it stopped and backed up. And I'm like, okay, that's not the wind. I don't know what that is. But yeah. that was kind of compelling evidence. So I like to see stuff like that. Like, well, I, I, oh, sorry. I, no, I, I just kind of go, wait, there might be something there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did this investigation once where a door opened up and I said to what, to the thing that was, that was there. I'm like, you know what? If you really want to impress me, close the door and close the door. So it was oh my one God. of them. Yeah. I mean, you, so you didn't, I, you didn't, you didn't read, um, since you haven't read spooky stories, um, the one, my New Year's one is in there. And that was something that actually happened to me in a house once. Okay. I went to this New Year's Eve party and, um, and I should stay, stay at the beginning. Nobody was drinking at this party. 
so there was no alcohol involved, but we're all sitting there, and they had said the house was haunted. And all of a sudden, the screen door on the, the uh, porch, the screened-in porch, burst open. Mm-hmm. And um, I went out to go see what it was. Well, the funny thing about that was just for the wind to blow it open to begin with was kind of weird because the door fit so tightly against the wooden floor that it was scraping the paint off of the floor. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, that's kind of unusual. And I reached to shut the door, and it closed itself. And so I just said, okay, thank you, <laughs> and yeah. walked inside. <laughs> so that was that's kind of weird that you would say that, because that's something I did experience. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I wish I would have gotten on video, but I don't really do video on my investigations because I usually do private houses and they don't, I don't, they, they don't want to see their faces and stuff plastered all over the internet. Right, right. And I'm totally cool with that. So before we let you go, Gary, I just want to ask you, what, what are your thoughts on the paranormal currently? I mean, what, what, what could be done differently, you know, or should things just stay the same? Um, I don't know. I, I think maybe some of those shows are a little ridiculous because I think that, they get away from um, the scientific end of it. And I mm-hmm. think if we bring more real science in, you know, here's the thing, even or a lot of stuff can be easily explained if you get sure. away from people's imagination and just, you know, uh, um, a lot of it can be easily explained. It's just like UFOs. A lot of it can be easily explained. But then right. there are other things that can't be so easily explained. My belief always is in science. Um, mm-hmm. I think that science is going to be able to solve anything. We may not be able to yet, but we eventually can. So you bring all the science to it. And I think that's where the focus on all this research should be, on the science of it, gathering data uh, with whatever equipment you've got to grab that data. Um, I never wind up taking any equipment when I go to do something because I'm sort of more a seat of the pants kind of person and I just want to go experience it. But I think for TV shows and stuff, they ought to really focus more on the science end of it and start to bring some credibility to it um, rather than focusing on the crazy people, you know, which a lot of these people, you you can see, I mean, a lot of the shows, they literally just have people who are obviously making stuff up or just ridiculous, you know, and it's like, I think they get ratings from that. But and, and a lot of the ones, even the story ones, a lot of times they will try to force the story in a certain direction so that because if you watch enough of those like the haunting if you watch that enough times each show sort of follows a pattern and they've mm-hmm. basically taken the bits that they've gotten from everybody and they've forced them into a script and i think um that kind of stuff harms any kind of credibility mm-hmm. if it makes sense i think it should be focused no, on the scientific end of things um because if there's actually some phenomenon going on, at some point it's going to be measurable, it's going to be capturable, and mm-hmm. then you're going to be able to look at it and sit down and think, okay, what are we dealing with here? You know? Right. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. So here we are. We've come to that point in the show that I like to call shameless self-promotion. That's what both Stephen and I call it here. So please take all the time you need to shamelessly self-promote yourself and go. <laughs> okay, well... If you want to check out more of my stuff, um, you can find Music Street Journal at musicstreetjournal.com, and you can find Spooky Ventures at spookyventures.com, 
And then everything, literally everything, is all gathered together with links to the different sites at GaryHillAuthor.com. So if you have those three, you got everything. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, ch you know, everybody, check it out. Gary's work is phenomenal. He's got a lot out there. And um, thank you so much, Gary, for joining us. And I really hope that maybe we can have you on again. That would be future. great. I would love to. Anytime you guys want to do it. This was fun. All right. Fantastic. All right, thank you so much, Gary. Thank you, Gary. Right, have a good day. You too. Bye. <laughs> do you have proof of the paranormal? Want to see your story and evidence showcased on our show? Email shadowinitiativetv at gmail.com with questions, comments, your paranormal stories, evidence of the paranormal, or just anything you'd like to see on our show. Your story and evidence may appear on Shadow Initiative Paranormal TV. That's shadowinitiativetv at gmail.com. You know, Gary, Gary, Gary's an awesome guy. And what I like about Gary is, is he's not really an investigator. He's yeah, a storyteller. Yeah, he's an enthusiast. He's a storyteller that's, yeah, he's, he's a storyteller that's had some really interesting things that have happened to him. But I, you know, I wanted to ask you something, because he brought up the whole alternate reality thing, because I know that that's a real popular theory, that there are there there are different versions of Gary. There are different versions of Rick. There's different versions of Stephen. So, Stephen, let me ask you something about this. Do you think that 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 there's you know any validity to that? I think it's possible. I don't think it, it's it's the case every case because when you're when you're getting direct answers to direct questions and, and relevant answers right. to questions, you know that that wouldn't come from something alternate. You know, they're, right. they're fully aware of the situation. But I do think that that's possible. I, I do think it's yeah. possible, especially when you, I mean, it's a whole conversation, man, when you get into the magnetism and the Earth's natural magnetism. And I've always said that the Earth is recording. It's constantly recording. You know, are we mm -hmm. watching a natural phenomena? You know, I mean, it's, I, I'm certainly open to it. But it's like Gary sure. said, it's, our science isn't there yet to validate these things, but eventually it will be. Right. Yeah, I've, I've, I've always found, um, another theory that I've always found really interesting is the time slip mm -hmm. in parapsychology. I've experienced you know, that. I yeah, I've, I, don't think I've, I don't think I've ever experienced anything like that. But, you know, one of the most famous cases was the Garden of Versailles, of, um, of um, Versailles mm -hmm. where a couple of English school teachers, they just sort of walked through an arch, and then the next thing they know, they're in 18th century France, mm -hmm. and there's Marie Antoinette, and and I always found that that story very interesting because although alternate realities may not explain that, time slips just might. But again, they're not going to be really aware of you and be able to intelligently answer questions that you pose. Well, the time slip. in the future, when we, because we talked about it last season, we just haven't got around to doing it, but eventually we're going to have my wife on because, you know, she's a paranormal investigator as well. That's how we met. Awesome. And uh, she has quite the story to tell when it comes to time slips. Um, so that, that'll be an interesting conversation. I did want to chime in. I mean, Gary, he's just, it was just great listening to him. So I didn't want to interrupt him, but yeah. one of the things I did want to say when we were talking about the publishing and being independent 
is that is the one thing that I love about the internet, you know, is if it wasn't for the internet, you and I wouldn't be sitting here right now. We wouldn't even know each no. other. You know, we wouldn't have books published if it wasn't for the internet. And, and as you know, I'm pulling one at one at a time, my books from my publisher, I'm buying the rights back because I'm just going to mm-hmm. go back to being independent. And, and I was going to say this to Gary, the same with independent music. Look at how many bands have an opportunity now because of the internet, you know? So right. I think it's fantastic. And like he alluded to, you're less inhibited. You, you you have all creative control. You don't have to cut this word out. You don't have to cut this phrase out. You know, you can tell it like it is. And, and I like that he's putting these compilations together. I'm definitely going to check him out. I'm definitely going to link up with him on Facebook. Because him and I, had, when you went uh, to go to the bathroom, him and I got in a deep music discussion. You know, I was like, this is a guy I Good. could really sit and talk to. So that was really cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I like I like independent music, too. And I like underground music. I, I can't – I don't think I've liked the mainstream since, like, 1988 or 1989. Like, everything since then has all been independent and underground. And that's what's great about, you know, where, where Gary and I are from, you know, from the Chicagoland area. We have an amazing independent and underground music scene in this area. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely a lot, a lot to go with there. But yeah, G- G- Gary, Gary is a really, really super friendly guy, really nice, really honest. And it's, you know, it's, and again, it's always nice to talk to somebody who's not an investigator, but rather just a storyteller. Right. You know, like when we, well, you know, Sean Bonney wasn't an investigator, but he, mm-hmm. he was a haunted survivor. You know, it just right. hearing somebody from that perspective, so our listeners and our viewers, they're not always hearing it from paranormal investigators, people who dedicate their life doing that, you know, because mm-hmm. there are more perspectives out there, you know, people who are gen- like Terry, Terry Coding, genuinely interested in the paranormal, but you would not get him out investigating. He just yeah. wants to hear about it, you know? Right. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and I guess that that's what, you know, is 50% fueling this is like, you know, people, they want to watch the television shows. They want to read the books. They want to understand, they want to be a part of the story without actually, you know, doing like the physical work involved, which is great because it's like a friend of mine who was a musician once said, there's two kinds of people in this world when it comes to music, those who enjoy it and those who make it. And each one of those people, they're just as equally important. Correct. That's perfect way to say it. That's a very perfect way. So Rick, we've got, uh, Wrapping this up, we've talked to Loch Ness, we've talked to Gary Hill, um, some really cool stories from him, so we definitely urge you guys to check out his websites. You can see them here on the screen if you're watching the show. If you're listening, uh, just rewind, <laughs> or whatever they call it <laughs> in streaming land. Click back. Um, but with that being said, our next show, um, as we mentioned uh, at the beginning of this show, we're going to focus on the haunts of India. For our newfound yes. audience, our new friends, our new shadows that are from uh, the wonderful place known as India. It has such a culture and such a history there. You know, it's going to oh, be so cool diving into that stuff, Rick. I love India. Um, I, I love Asia, uh, you know, as as a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, but India, the their, their history is ancient. And it is far older than what people um, people people think. They they have uh, UFO stories going back thousands of years. Mm-hmm. They have demons. They have 
uh, werewolf-type creatures. They have vampires. And, mo- and most of all, they have haunted places. And you don't really hear about these haunted places. And one of those haunted places that I'm going to be talking about in Ghostwatch is Bangar Ruins. Yes. Um, and it's so haunted, and it's considered to be dangerous not just because the place is thousands of years old and it's crumbling down on itself, but no, it's like the ghosts are physically assaulting people at Bangar Ruins. Yes, I, I, I am aware of this place, and um, before next show, I'm going to dig up some footage and stuff for the people who watch the TV version of this show, and uh, we're just going to talk uh, the haunted India, you know, just because it's, it's so different. You know, when you watch these videos from other countries and you know you you have the american stuff but when you watch stuff from japan you know and you watch their surveillance footage i mean this this is worldwide phenomenon guys you know not not everything is the amityville house and yeah, you know we, right, we strive exactly. here to kind of take you around the world so you can um ex- you know be exposed to these cultures and what other people believe because who knows you know we may stumble across something that um, makes more sense there than it does here, you know? Well, I've always, I've always said that you could tell a lot about a country and its culture by, their, by its folklore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, I've always said that, that I, <laughs> I admire Ireland and the UK, you know, because they, they embrace, they really do, mm-hmm. they embrace the paranormal. They, you can go to Edinburgh and take classes on it. You can get, you know, which is awesome that their university um, it does that. You know, yeah. try finding accredited university here that'll do that anymore. They don't. There literally is an American version, and then there's everybody else. You know, ours right. has become a joke. So for us, we like seeking out this stuff because it helps our listeners and our viewers. It changes their perspective. Like, hey, it's a whole lot more than Zach Baggins, guys. We live, we live in a very big world with all different kinds of people, all different kinds of beliefs, all different kinds of culture. And here at the uh, Shadow Initiative Paranormal TV and Talk, we want to bring that to you. And you know what? One of the most interesting stories I ever read, Rick, um, actually took place during the Ming Dynasty. I was, I was mm-hmm. doing research on spirit boards. And okay. the actual, the, the first known spirit board came from there came from japan they were Mm -hmm. doing it long before the ouija board as we know it you know and and it's interesting to look at the these old designs of how they what that what they called is um spiritual writing is pretty much what it was referred to and it was so interesting because the stories you hear more modern you know about communicating with somebody through through the Ouija board. They were doing it back then. You yeah. know, and a lot of people don't know that. They just naturally think the Ouija board you buy at Walmart. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 like somewhere between shoots and ladders and yeah. Monopoly. Yeah, but yeah, it's you, you know we and we don't really consider that that we we all think that this is like something new, mm-hmm. or you know, ghost hunting is something new or. Uh, you know, contacting the spirits, psychic mediums are something new. Just this the other night, we were watching um, uh, Expedition X, and they were talking about the Oracle of Delphi. Mm-hmm. And this goes back thousands of years to ancient Greece. And the Oracle of Delphi was it was pretty, pretty much just like a group of psychics, 
and people would go to them and say, you know, what should I do with my family? How should I proceed with warfare? You know, even kings would go to the Oracle of Delphi. And, um, you know, a lot of people don't, don't understand that this is something that affects all of us. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what color you are, doesn't matter what gender you are, doesn't matter what your sexual preference is. It is all of us. Mm-hmm. And, and sadly, a lot of this is getting ripped from history books. And that, mm-hmm. that really bothers me. You know, when I, when I grew up and when I went to college, you know, you read about European history and beliefs and their folklore and mythology, Greece, you know, Japan, China, whatever, you know. And now that it's like they, they're pulling all that stuff out of the classroom. And that really bothers me because it, we're Americanizing everything too much. We're dumbing it down, mm-hmm. you know, is mm-hmm. a better way to put it. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. You know, and in, in, in our house, we, we really try to bring our son up to be very accepting of others mm-hmm. and, you know, of, of their beliefs and who they are as people. And I, I think that that's really getting lost with a lot of children. So they're going to grow up not understanding that there is something outside of our borders. And there's a huge world mm-hmm. outside of our borders. That that experiences these things, and they're and they're not running around with an EMF meter or a temperature gun, you know. They're just everyday people in their culture, you know. And, and I think in the end, like you were you were talking about these different dimensions, is that possible? This alternate reality, you know, however you want to mm-hmm. say it. Um, but we've seen it, you know, when we've talked about Sasquatch, when we've talked about our version of the shadow people and our version of this and our version of that, there are versions of that same thing almost across every culture. They yes. just call it something different. So it's like, you know, and it's yes, all very similar. Yes. And, and yes, we're all very connected now. And, it, and it, you know, you can reach out and touch anybody on the Internet now. But not back then. How were people in Japan claiming to see Ghost X and people in the United States or what would be the United States seeing the same thing but calling it something different? They didn't have the Internet to come up with this. You know, that's an awful lot of coincidence. You know, the, no, I, I completely agree. The, the old the Egyptian hieroglyphics, man, you know, show an aircraft, mm-hmm. you know, showing aircraft designs. I mean, come on. You know, well, that, I think that that's I think that's one of the important things that we need to cover on next week's show that we're dedicating to India are the Vamanas mm-hmm. and the Vamanas, which uh, which shows up in the Bhagavad Gita. Um, God bless you. You know, they, thank you. And uh you know, it, it seems that these are like UFOs, that mm-hmm. these ancient gods, um, you know, some people believe that these ancient gods like like Shiva were actually extraterrestrials. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the, the jury's out with me on that. I don't know. But um, these Vamanas, they sure look and sound like UFOs to me. And that extends from from India to, to you know, Egypt has their version, the Mayans, the Aztecs. You know, these temples that from the air form a lizard or form some other kind of animal that the only way you could have designed have could have been from the air. You know, right. so all these cultures, again, not even connected to one another, experiencing the same thing. For all we know, angels that, that were written by man could have been referring to extraterrestrials. Exactly. You know, well, 
um, whenever, whenever an ancient society meets up with some somebody that is um, more advanced than they are, they immediately think, well, these are gods. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, you know, that could very well be what uh, what they were experiencing. Not gods, but aliens, you know. It's, it's, it's just one of those things that uh, it's not really a conspiracy theory, but there is a possibility that that's what it was. Like I said, it seals the deal for me that, that all of these cultures have all experienced this stuff at the same time in history without any form of, of communication with one another. Right. Not like today, you know, where yeah. the world's connected. That wasn't happening. No. Well, it could be something, you know, like Graham Hancock, too. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, the writing of Graham Hancock. Um, in all of his books, basically, he's that there that there was a time where humans were more advanced than we are today. But for some reason, we just forgot it all. Mm-hmm. Um, something happened that, you know, made humans forget who we were and where we came from it's and, it's, um, it's a very interesting theory like it's it's a kind of a big bang that something happened and everybody just started over right you know a yeah. flash and it was like okay where were we now we're starting anew I, i've kind of read a little bit about that you know because yes how do you take two-ton bricks and build a pyramid they obviously yeah. had some form of technology. How do you make these crystal skulls as perfect as they did when our lasers today can't even do that? Right. You know? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we, we have a lot to cover. And, like, next week, we're going to be dedicating it to our friends in India. And we're going to be talking about UFOs. We're going to be talking about vampires. We're going to be talking about ghosts. And we're going to be talking about cryptids. We have got a great show lined up for everyone that listens to our show absolutely it was a great time again guys check out gary hill we will certainly have him on again in the future i'm certainly going to stay connected with him rick another fantastic show guys another great show in the books you can if you're watching you can check out our podcast on apple spotify amazon music it's pretty much anywhere and if you guys are listening to the podcast check us out on youtube or our website if you want to watch what we're talking about all right cool thank story, you so bro. much Stephen. a great show yeah, <laughs> yeah. cool story bro. go make me a sandwich no yeah. but um yeah hey everybody thanks for listening thanks for watching we'll see you next week next week guys Take- shadow initiative paranormal talk is also available to watch on any of your devices watch live or enjoy the show on your smart tvs youtube or the official website at www.shadowinitiativetv.com watch the hosts in action as they explore the fascinating world of the paranormal See exclusive clips, paranormal evidence, and more.